So I realized that I forgot to come up with potential names for this one. Oh. But just looking at the artists, the only one I can really see that we could do is Insane Clown Pavement. Insane Clown. Insane Clown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll, if I want to stick to like the formula. Insane Man Gum Clown. <laughs> It rolls right I guess off the, the G. <laughs> Insane man gum mod is an astronaut clown. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Oh, well, I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Shuffle, episode 12. Please make sure to listen to the five songs that will be discussed in this week's episode. Links to Spotify and YouTube playlists can be found in this episode's description. Sitting with us yet again is the perpetual special guest, Dominic Matthews. Hello, welcome to podcast. This is D and the J. Working on my radio voice. How's it, that? It, for a second, I thought that we were sitting in a radio station doing hey. a morning show. Hey, Jerry. Hey. <laughs> Did you hear the new track? I need on a Billboard. sound. I need like a soundboard. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sound effects. Yeah, that'd be Actually, so we could be the first podcast to ever use sound effects. But we're not. <laughs> There's this comedian, Moshe Kesherway. I can't remember his co-host's name. They have uh, a podcast where they try to like come across as those two fucking uh, idiot guys, and they got a soundboard and everything, and like ooh, it's funny for the first two minutes yeah. and then you realize that they have like 60 episodes and they're each an hour long and it's like oh boy they're gonna tear yeah. oh my god yeah they're gonna tear through that like 50 sound effects yeah. pretty fast yeah <laughs> no definitely that's why I make my own sound effects they're all really good Dominic Manthe originals oh yeah like this one <laughs> call it a pin a pin drop a pen drop. Yeah, a pen drop. Ooh. Sorry, there we go. No. They're pretty technically complicated. It's here. all good. <laughs> now, I don't know if I should reveal to the audience that you just dropped a pencil, but you oh, called it a pen drop. I know. Shit. I'll, I'll, I'll cut work. that out. I'll cut Actually, that out. no, that's good. It'll, it'll be like, wow, that sounded so much like a pen, but in fact, it was a pencil. Oh, it was all about your skill in dropping it that made it sound like a pen drop. Exactly. That's how you make the pen drops. All right. That's where we're going to get all of our advertising money from. <laughs> yeah. Dominic sound effects. Oh, man, we got to get a hold of them. Copywritten. I'm giving a copyright. Patent, I'm patenting them. No one else can drop a pencil on one table and call it a pen drop. Did you hear about the big <laughs> shitstorm with those YouTube guys, the Fine Brothers, that just happened this week? No, no. So there are these two guys who are famous for reaction videos like elderly people react to mm -hmm. antichrist some ridiculous yeah. thing they were trying to trademark the word react so no one else on youtube <laughs> could use the word react in a title for a video wow and the internet hive mind just <laughs> hate fucked them so hard that after two days of announcing this they made this big announcement that uh, we're not going to do that. Like, wow. I think they lost, like, the majority of their subscribers. Yeah. And, you know, they make a living off of that. So they they kind of screwed the pooch. Yeah. God damn. They probably would have made a, a lot of money, though, like, if they had won. 
just suing people oh, that use that by definitely. mistake. Definitely. But, yeah, the internet was like, nah, fine, brothers. That's Martin Shkreli business, however the hell you yeah. say his name. Actually, speaking of Shkreli, <laughs> Shkreli, there's a new segment that I want to introduce later on called the Martin Shkreli Saga. Jesus. <laughs> just because of how much he pops up in music news, I figure he should have his own segment. Oh, yeah. But before we get to that, I am sad slash happy slash excited slash scared to announce that it has been zero episodes since our last ICP incident because we had an ICP incident. It's a new start. We can yeah. start over. Next episode, it's it's a it's a new leaf. It's a yeah. new beginning. So, segueing into ICP News Corner. Now, <laughs> This bit of news was brought to us by my friend and our loyal listener, Sophie Buchheit. Ooh. She's Austrian. <laughs> Hi, Sophie. I know you're listening. Hey, Sophie. Thanks for calling in. <laughs> that, that's your little, that's your prize for giving us this new <laughs> segment is Dominic will say your name in a shithead radio voice. Hey. Hey, Sophie. <laughs> so... After last week, when we heard about the bit of news about Pearl Jam donating money to Flint, mm. Michigan, Sophie sent me this satirical article. So this is not real <laughs> news, but it this article titled, Insane Clown Posse Sends 10,000 Bottles of Fago to Flint, Michigan. <laughs> nice. This is by Rick Hamoth of The Hard Times. Huh. It's a satirical news website. I was planning on linking to it, which I still will, but I feel this necessitates me reading it. It's not too long. Joining other high-profile donors like Jimmy Fallon, Pearl Jam, and Cher, Detroit-based hip-hop duo Insane Clown Posse announced today that they will donate 10,000 bottles of Fago, <laughs> a popular regional soft drink particularly beloved by juggalos, to the residents of Flint, Michigan. The generous donation follows a week of national attention on city and state leaders due to the unhealthy conditions and crumbling infrastructure of the city's public water supply. Flint, once a hub for commercial automobile production, has seen steady decay in part from the collapse of the American auto industry, continued mismanagement of city services by government, and what analysis have labeled as a massive deficit of mad motherfucking wicked clown love. Jesus. In Flint, water bills average about $140 a month, and we just can't fuck with that, <laughs> rapper Shaggy 2 Dope said during a highly publicized announcement. Paying that much for water that isn't safe to drink? Nah, son. It's whack. In the wake of the Flint water crisis, most criticism has been aimed towards Governor Rick Snyder, accused by many of corruption, negligence, and not being down with the clown. <laughs> Yo, Snyder's fucked, so we just want to give everyone something a little psychopathic in their lives, continued Violent J and Sound Clown Posse co-founder. That's why we're hoping all y'all hatchet-swinging juggalos and juggalettes in Flint switch over to this dope-ass fago until the crisis is over, and encourage your loved ones to do the same. Whoop whoop! The group's label, Psychopathic Records, confirmed that over eight different flavors would be made available to the residents of Flint, including Cotton Candy, Moon Mist Blue, and even Diet Rock and Rye. Melinda Parker, a resident of Flint for over 25 years, had mixed feelings about the generous donation. I think it's really nice that they did this, 
but our children have already consumed enough poison, and I don't think some generic soda drink is going to make our lives any better, Parker said, loading a 24-pack of sparkling cherry fago into her kitchen. We've been through enough already. I really don't want to have to shower with this stuff. That's it. Jesus Christ. Carrying forward that long tradition of social justice that ICP is known for. That's good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Sophie. <laughs> yeah. So now on to the Martin Shkreli saga. Shkrelix. <laughs> That's a good one. Shkreliix. <laughs> so, I don't know. Have you been keeping up with his goings and... I saw the video of him flanked by Mystery Man. Got it. Okay. So let's rewind. The last thing we heard is he was about to drop a mixtape potentially, Mm -hmm. which there hasn't been any word on. Today he tweeted that he's going to be on a news broadcast talking about his up-and-coming mixtape, so it's still in the works, (laughs) but he did not drop it when he said he might drop it. Mm. So in a recent interview with Vice, Shkreli said that he is constantly going back and forth between wanting to destroy the Shaolin Knights album by the Wu-Tang Clan or installing it in some remote location that people have to make a spiritual quest to go listen to it. (laughs) He says, I'm not just the heel of the music world. I want to be the world's heel. And if you weren't familiar, a heel is a villain in professional wrestling terms. Yeah, yeah. So after that, Ghostface Killa, member of the Wu-Tang Clan, went on to call Martin Shkreli a shithead in regards to Shkreli's decision to raise the price of uh, Daraprim, the AIDS medication. And he went on to say, I don't even know him, but I know what he did with the AIDS drug like that. That's not right. That's not right. Martin then took to Twitter to respond to Ghostface, saying, Ghost mad that Shaolin outsold his last five albums. Dude's a non-profit rapper. Calls himself Iron Man, but sounds rusty as fuck. Ghostface then responded to him by holding up a picture of him and comparing his nose to that of (laughs) Michael Jackson and calling his overall look similar to Pee Wee Herman. That's pretty fair, I think. Yeah. (laughs) To which then Martin made a video response, which you talked about, where he is flanked by three hooded hoodlums who are all drinking straight liquor out of a bottle while Shaolin Knights is playing in the background. And he continues on to diss Ghostface. A couple quotes pulled from it. You're an old man, an old man that's lost his relevance, and you're trying to claim the spotlight from my spotlight. That's not gonna work. That's not gonna work, Ghost Dennis, which is Ghostface's name, I guess. In fact, I think that if you ever say dumb shit again, this album, this Shaolin, I'm gonna erase your shit from this album. I'm gonna erase you from the record books. I expect you to write me a written apology from the heart. Some contrition, some long letter where you explain your sorrow and sadness for what you've done. He then went on to tweet, As mentioned in my video, I expect a written apology, Ghostface Killa. At least 500 words, no grammatical errors, and Shaolin stays intact. He then concludes the video by saying, Ghost, stop pretending, stop acting, stop lying. Be real, as your video once said, and uh, don't ever fucking mention my name again, or there will be more of a price to pay than just this video. Jesus Christ. 
He's someone's boss. That's the freak. Can you imagine if your boss did this, posted a video? <laughs> it's like, right. It sounds like he's like 13. Like his balls just dropped. Yeah, and he's well, like, I'm tough and cool, just like the people on the movies. He, hey, that's, he's, he's like a hedge fund kid. Yeah. He's, he's never had hardship in his life, yeah. and he's never not gotten his way. Yeah. I, I also learned that he... He bought Kurt Cobain's old Visa card off of eBay. Wow. Like the one that was on his body when he died. Wow. He, he collects, you know, yeah, stuff like that. Wow. He's creepy, man. <sighs> Fuck him. I love the threat of he's going to erase him from the record. He's going to erase the audio that no one's ever even heard. It's fundamentally <laughs> gone anyways. It's no record. We'll never even know if he does it or not. It's so stupid. No, we won't. Not at all. It's so stupid. God. Yeah, he's just throwing a fucking, he's throwing a tantrum is what I he's know. doing. I can't have my way. <laughs> well, I guess moving on to other music news. By Skrillex. By, by <laughs> the Skrillex. The Skrillex saga concludes <laughs> till next time. So going back to our good old flat earth friend, B.O.B. Oh, shit. So... Last week, last we spoke, he had dropped his track called Flatline, dissing Neil deGrasse Tyson and talking about conspiracy theories. Mm. The day after that dropped, Neil deGrasse Tyson and his nephew, a rapper who goes by the name of Tyson, dropped a respond track nice. to B.O.B. called Flat to Fact. <laughs> I, I guess it's parody of a Drake song. Hmm. I, I, I don't know what song it is, but like the title and the rhythm and the melody, it's all it's kind of like a Weird Al thing where he, like, he reappropriated a Drake yeah. song. And there's clips of Tyson talking about it and his nephew rapping over it. And then Neil then went on to go appear on Larry Wilmore's The Nightly Show, which is kind of like a daily show that's on Comedy Central now. So, after so the, the show starts and Larry initiates a, a portion of the show which he's dubbed the Science Emergency Defense Program. <laughs> when then Neil appears on stage and starts to deliver a lesson on why the Earth is flat, while well while the Earth appears flat, while despite its roundness, as well as shaming Bob for his unscientific approach. He concludes this schooling lesson with him quoting Isaac Newton and then going on to say, That's right, B.O.B. When you stand on the shoulders of those who are before you, you might see far enough to realize that the earth isn't fucking flat. <laughs> and then he goes, and by the way, this is called gravity. And then he does a mic drop. Ooh. So we're still waiting to hear back from B.O.B. But Damn. Yeah. that guy's good. He's good. Neil knows what he's doing. <laughs> so did you hear that the RIAA announced that streaming will count towards platinum and gold certifications for albums now? Nice. Enough. Yeah. Enough. Wow. So rather than pure physical album sales, streaming, whether it be Spotify or Apple or even like Vimeo, YouTube clips, yeah. count. It's not like one view equals one album sale, though. It'll 15,000 streams equals one album sale. Hmm. But after initiating this and announcing it, 
17 artists have already all of a sudden been awarded with gold and platinum records based nice. off of last year's streaming. Amongst them being Kendrick Lamar for To Pimp a Butterfly, yeah. Big Sean's Dark Sky Paradise, Coldplay's Ghost Stories, and The Weeknd's Beauty Behind Madness went double platinum. Wow. wow. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. About damn time. So did you hear anything about some beef going on between Kanye West and Wiz Khalifa? I did. I did. I read a little bit about this. Yeah. I, <laughs> I'm i not even going to delve into it. Spin actually did this really cool thing where they just posted the entirety back and forth conversation between Wiz and Kanye without any commentary. So it's just the tweets with nothing else being said. Nothing but the intellectual dialogue. Yes. <laughs> I, I will post that link. You are more than welcome to go through and read it. I'm not going to hash into all of that. But it's, I, just, it's too complicated for us to get into yeah. here. It's very deep. But the one small part I do want to talk about was near the end of this back and forth feud, Amber Rose... Kanye and Wiz's exes actually they both dated her joined in on the conversation because Kanye started dissing Wiz in reference to Amber Rose Amber Rose all of a sudden started tweeting at both of them saying aw at Kanye West are you mad that I'm not around to play in your asshole anymore <laughs> hashtag fingers in the booty ass bitch and then uh -huh. she did a little finger emoji and then she went, and then Kanye started deleting some of his tweets that he had sent out before. And she tweeted, lol at Kanye West. Now you want to delete your tweets because Mava has arrived? Hashtag Twitter fingers. Hashtag you're getting bootied by a stripper N word. Wow. The next day, Kanye took to Twitter to defend himself, <laughs> tweeting, exes can be mad, but just know I never let them play with my ass. <laughs> I don't do that. I stay away from that area altogether. I'm not into that kind of shit. I like pictures and videos. Me and my wife got the kind of love that can turn exes into best friends. Huh. And speaking of that, actually, just today, pictures have been... I guess Amber Rose and Kim Kardashian and were hung out today, and wow. there's like a peace treaty white flag or something i feel like this has got to be like peak kanye west like there's no more this is hit the limit when he says to go public and Hold say on. i'm, I'm not gonna, i'm just gonna let i'm just i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> oh but i just want to say that this was the peak Con no, <laughs> this is when he has to go on twitter and we all have to read him saying i'm not into butt stuff but i like videos and pictures yeah Jesus Christ. But now we know. <laughs> it's the question we've all been dying to know yeah. the answer to. Is he into the booty stuff? Jesus Christ. Other brief Kanye news. <laughs> Swish has been retitled to be Waves, but now he might be going back to Swish again. Man. He, his album was supposed to be called Swish. said it's called Waves now, but then just the other day, Kim Kardashian posted a poll tweet asking which album title is better, Swish or Waves which makes people believe that maybe he still hasn't decided. Mm. I think that's enough music news, though. <laughs> what have you been listening to this week? Well, I've been dabbling in my own music creation. If you don't, want to, oh, if you don't mind me doing a little self-promotion here. I've been, no I've been plugs. dabbling. No, no plugs. Well, this, I got to. Just give okay. me one okay. plug here. This okay. one time. So you know I'm a wingnut, 
right? Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm making Wings music better. <laughs> All right, I would never say that. Blasphemy. But I'm tweaking it a little bit. I think it and bringing out a little bit more wing in Wings. You know what I mean? And what I'm doing here is I'm taking the Wings tracks. Okay. Go with me here. I'm following and, you and, so far. And I'm fusing it with a little bit of Glen Campbell. All right, because it needs a little more earnestness, a little rhinestone cowboy. And then I'm taking Bill Collins' tracks and I'm putting the percussion in there. Now, I haven't gotten a name for it yet. I was thinking like Mumford and Sons, something like that. I know the name's already taken, but I just feel like it just works in some way. So it's a. So look you, for Mumford and Did you bring any along for us to play for the audience? Not yet. I'm going to drop it. Maybe I'll call it Mumford and Co. Okay. You should drop it once Martin drops his mixtape. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll do. Mar- Mumford and Co. Mumford yeah? and Co. Co. Well, that's what I'm calling it. Oh. But otherwise, otherwise, I did actually listen to Arca. You know, I, I saw you to listen it. to that on Spotify. I listened to it multiple times. So what did, what did you think? If you go into it expecting pop music, then it's going to sound like shit because it's not pop music. <laughs> no, it is not. But if you go into it thinking it's like electronic experimental, then it's, I thought it was fantastic. It's, I thought it was incredibly good. I thought it was incredibly, incredibly good. It was, it held my attention. It was very good. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know how to describe it really, except mutant. It's mutant yeah, music. It is, it's <laughs> mutation. Yeah, like I said, yeah. there's, there's so many different sounds on yeah. that album where yeah. you couldn't, other than saying like, extremely abstract electronic music and that's even doing a disservice yeah did it come out in 2015 yeah 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 it did man i was a latecomer to it i know i wish i would heard it too because that might have made my top list because i love that it might have popped in there i gotta say that was yeah it's incredible that's incredible so speaking of you listening to my suggestion Mm -hmm. i listened to your suggestion also courtney barnett oh yeah because actually I kind of had forgotten about it in this other music podcast I like a lot. Sound Exploder. They don't need my plug. They're doing great. But have you ever heard of Song Exploder? Uh, maybe. Describe it. It's uh, this guy. His name is Harishi Keshaway. And he sits down with artists and musicians. And they pick one song in their discography and, like, explode it. As in, they break it apart. Yeah. And talk about, like... Yeah. This is where this guitar line came from. This is where this sample came from. This is where the idea for my lyrics came from. And yeah. you kind of talk about the process of building the song. I have heard song. about that. So, yeah. Courtney Barnett just did Song Exploder for her song, uh, Depressed In. Oh, yeah. yeah that's a good song. It's it was really a great song, song, and listening to her story behind it like made it even better. Nice. So, I'll, nice. I'll post a link to it. It's a really yeah. great... Shit. And also... What I like about Song Explorer 2 is unlike this horrible podcast that we're on, <laughs> they're like 15, 20 minutes long, so it's really easy and digestible. Nice. And nice, they nice. get, they've had a ton of different, like they had as big of artists as U2 on to Jeez. like small, tons of small, like there's a bunch of music that I've gotten into just because I've listened to Song Exploder. Yeah. It's, it was actually probably a huge part in my inspiration for starting Shuffle. Nice. I nice. highly recommend Song Exploder. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Also, have you heard Animal Collective's new single that they dropped? I listened to it just once today. I thought it, I thought it was solid. It didn't hit me like a... Uh, Florida did. 
Really? Is like in the gut. Again, just one listen, but I thought it was solid. See, I think this might be like my favorite thing they've done since like My Girls, probably. Yeah. I really yeah. dug it. Especially, did you hear about how they released an app? So, uh, I think it was just yesterday that they made Lying in the Grass, which is the new Animal Collective song, available like widely last week. They dropped an iOS app. And it was actually mm. the only way you could hear this song for a week. And it's wow. it's a little artsy app. It's kind of like a you can draw with your finger on it. Mm. But what's cool about it is you can make custom paintbrushes. So like I could take a picture of your face and then when I drag my finger on there, it would be <laughs> like a paintbrush of a bunch of your face. Wow. And you can like edit the setting so it gets tripping pops out at you. So like <laughs> while you're drawing laying in the grass lying in the grass plays in the background and you can take snapshots of it post it with the hashtag painting with which is the name yeah. of the album okay uh, yeah yeah and you can also like record video of your like drawing process from start to finish and automatically upload it to their website hmm. and what's also cool about the app is if you buy the vinyl version of painting with it will come with this dust slip mat that you can put on top of the vinyl while it spins. Mm. And the app will take control of the LED in your phone and it'll strobe the LED in such a certain pattern <laughs> that if you hold it over the mat spinning on the vinyl, pictures will appear on it because of the strobe light wow. effect. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. It was fun to play around Multi -media, with. Multimedia, like man. 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, fun. that's cool. And it, and it accompanies the song. Yeah. That's, that's clever. That's very clever. Now, I'll have to listen to the song again. I just listened to it once really quick before I came to the podcast. Like, oh, shit, I should actually listen to it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Restrained. It's, it sounded more yeah. kind of restrained electronic. It was minimal. So, like, yeah. the predominant instrument was Avery and Panda's voices. Like, yeah. it's percussion. Their voices are pretty much an instrument in the song. And then there's as Animal Collective does, weird organic yeah. synth sounds in the background, but they really don't add anything to the melody. The melody comes from the vocal performance, yeah. and they do this really cool thing where they kind of... It was kind of like weird, like like syncopated. Yeah, syncopation. One that's the, what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, quickly like, switching between. They're them. each like yeah. singing lines in such a way where like the brief gap between when their words, the other one fills in. So it's like ah 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 ah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, which, was, I, which I really dug. Yeah, it was like, yeah, very, like vocal acro like acrobats. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was... I'll have to check it out again. I'll have to check it out again. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess with that, we can move on to the moment that everyone's been waiting for. Into the clown hole. <laughs> I feel like I need a shower after that. <laughs> clown hole. Welcome to the clown hole. <laughs> it's D&J &D in the clown hole. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can right. that be my new uh, special nickname? Yeah. My special guest, uh, Dominic DJ Clownhole. DJ Clownhole? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> From going forward, the perpetual special guest, Dominic DJ Clownhole. I like that. But when you spell it, at the end of hole, you should put a posture or a parenthesis uh, S. 
You know what I mean? So you read it and it looks like clown holes, but you say it, that's a sign. Yeah. Clown hole. And the J stands for <laughs> juggalo in parentheses. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. DJ go. is Dominic Juggalo. Yeah, Dom, Dom Juggalo clown Dom hole. Jug. Dom Jug. <laughs> Shit. Just right. call me Dommy Jugs. Dommy Jugs. <laughs> Dommy Jugs. Dommy Jug and the clown holes. <laughs> oh, there's the name for your new Wings project. Yeah, that's it. Dommy J and the Juggles. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, so our first song is The Dead One by Insane Clown Posse. Mm -hmm. Off the 1994 album Ringmaster. So, Insane Clown Posse, an American hip-hop duo from Detroit, Michigan. The group is composed of Joseph Bruce and Joseph Utzler, Utzler, so two Josephs, perform under the respective personas of Wicked Clowns, Violent J, and Shaggy Too Dope. Mm, 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 mm. ICP performs a style of hardcore hip-hop known as horrorcore. Horrorcore is a subgenre of hip-hop music based on horror-themed and often darkly transgressive lyrical content and imagery. So they were originally known as JJ Boys, they then went on to be called the Inner City Posse, but then the group shortly after introduced the supernatural and horror-themed lyrics as a means of distinguishing themselves stylistically from the other hip-hop groups. The duo also founded the independent record label Psychopathic Records and have produced and starred in two feature films, Big Money Hustlers and Big Money Rustlers which we could have a whole podcast talking about those two <laughs> movies. They also have formed their own professional wrestling federation. What? The Juggalo Championship Wrestling. Wow. And it's still going strong today. Wow. Yeah. They've appeared on WCW and WWF a couple times. Didn't like how regulated it was. So, and they, there's actually two video games based off of the wrestling hmm. Federation Sting, called. remember Sting? The Sting wrestler? was my favorite wrestler. Is he? He was mine too. Was he like secret, like ICP? Yeah, is that face paint, man? Maybe, <laughs> could be. Yeah, shit, we're on this. Yeah, here. yeah. There's two games: Backyard Wrestling. Don't try this at home. And Backyard Wrestling Two. There goes the neighborhood. Ugh, the grown. Yeah. The grown factor. Stings in Ugh. both of them. No. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I don't know. Maybe he is. Undercover man. So. The group has a dedicated following called Juggalos, numbering in the tens of thousands. It's a movement, baby. Yeah, but it's not a gang. The not FBI, gang. it was officially removed from the gang list <laughs> identified by the FBI. Wow. Wow. They were put, juggle. I think I talked about this in a previous episode of Shuffle, one that you weren't on. I think it was with my friend John Miller, actually. So Juggalos had been estimated uh, were added to the FBI's list of like nationally recognized gangs, <laughs> and Shaggy Two Dope and Violent J petitioned to have them removed, and they successfully won their appeal. So now, you can't be stopped by a police officer simply for looking like you're affiliated with the group Juggalos, mm. where other gangs can still be stopped just for like looking like a blood or a crip kind of thing. Wow. Yeah. It's a victory for mimes and clowns everywhere. That's big. Mimes, mimes have had a hard go at it. Yeah, no they needed kidding, this man. win. Yeah, they needed. They this. needed this win. Finally, some justice for the yeah. mimes. You know, Bill Cosby used to be a mime. You know, but he 
fucking with me right now. <laughs> no, he really was. Which just goes to show, even if you think mimes aren't as creepy as clowns, they're definitely as creepy. Because Bill Cosby was a mime. He went to mime school. Look it up. There's a mime school? He did. He did. Jesus Christ. We'll link to it. We'll link to Bill Cosby his, and mime As Dominic Manthe says, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm going to patent that. You should. <laughs> so, the term juggalo originated during a 1994 live performance by ICP during a song of theirs called The Juggler, as in someone who juggles objects. Violent J addressed the audience as juggalos during the song on a whim, and the positive response from the audience resulted in Violent J and Shaky 2 Dope using the word thereafter to refer to themselves, their friends, their family, and their fans as juggalos. According to Shaggy 2 Dope, juggalos come from all walks of life, from poverty, from rich, from all religions, all colors. It doesn't matter if you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth or a crack rock in your mouth. <laughs> is that a quote? That uh, is a, sorry, I should have said quote unquote. That is wow. a direct quote from Shaggy 2 Dope. That's beautiful. You mean I could be one too? What? You could, man. As long as you believe in yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, some common characteristics of a juggalo. Drinking and spraying the inexpensive soft drink Fago. Listening to horrorcore and other types of underground rap music. Wearing face paint. Generally, those either like a clown or perhaps similar to corpse paint. Wearing hatchet gear, which is official merchandise from Psychopathic Records. Having a Hatchet Man logo applied on personal affects and die cast worn as jewelry. Mm-hmm. Displaying mm-hmm. the gesture of a wicked clown, which, if you were wondering, is the west side signed with the left hand and a C sign in ASL with the right, with the uh, arms crossed over. Uh, you see yeah, this? Yeah. I'm doing it right now. It looks really badass, everyone. It looks really badass. Making and responding to whoop whoop calls. <laughs> the correct response to whoop whoop is whoop whoop. whoop whoop. Also, expressing a tongue in cheek obsession with murder committed with a blade weapon. <laughs> yeah. Tongue in cheek. So, the songs of ICP center thematically on the mythology of the Dark Carnival which is a metaphoric limbo in which lives of the dead are judged by one of several entities. The Dark Carnival is elaborated through a series of stories called the Joker's Cards, each of which offers a specific lesson designed to change the evil ways of listeners before the end consumes us all. So each of these Joker cards are their albums. This album, The Ringmaster, is the second Joker's card. And actually, this album, Ringmaster, is what gave birth to ICP's obsession with Fago. This was the very first album that they referenced the soda during a song. And due to the fact that the album references the soda, they thought it would be cool to just have some on stage with them while they were rapping. And during a concert, Violent J threw an open bottle of Fago at a row of concert goers who were in the front row giving him the finger. <laughs> and the audience loved it, and that just that gave birth to the, the Fago sprays. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. So Ugh. Ringmaster is the second of six in the first deck of the Joker's Cars albums. They have since started a second deck of them. The first 
Joker's card is Carnival of Carnage, second Ringmaster, third Riddle Box, fourth the Great Malenko, fifth the Amazing Jekyll Brothers, and sixth the Wraith. Hmm. The character Ringmaster is an overseer of the Dark Carnival. He is created through one's own sins and is one of several who would judge whether a soul is worthy to enter heaven or doomed to eternal hell. The card issues a warning against neglect of our basic morals. So that was the theme of this album. And even though Rolling Stone magazine gave this album a 1 out of 5 star rating, it is actually (laughs) certified gold due to the album sales. Wow. So this song, The Dead One, was written by Violent J and his brother Jump Steady, which is surprising because there isn't a lot going on in the song. <laughs> the fact that two people wrote this is a little beyond me. <laughs> and this song heavily samples the Franco-British progressive rock band Gong in their song Celine, hmm. which is odd because there's barely any fucking music in the song either. Yeah. In this song, Violent J is gunned down in a gunfight but his death isn't instantaneous, and he walks around trying to live his life as he slowly rots away, confused. He doesn't want to admit that he's dead, and his denial is so strong that it allows him to survive, and it ends with Shaggy 2 Dope yelling, you're dead, bitch, ha 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 ha. So, what did you think of the dead one? Okay, first a note on genre, because I can't even start with the song yet. The genre, horror, hip hop, roughly. Horror, horror core. Okay. Hip hop, have you ever listened to like NWA or Public Enemy? They don't need to create horror. It's there. Their everyday life is horrifying and it's disgusting. It's not tongue in cheek murder. (laughs) They didn't choose the street life. The street life chose them. I think they chose it in this case. In fact, I really, I don't know their backstory, like where they came from, but I feel like they very much, I feel like they very much chose (laughs) to try to create a persona. It's just, it's so, uh, the genre, it just seems so ridiculous. I mean, okay. So just a note on genre. No, yeah, it's, Uh, I think it's. It's really bogus. If you got to add horror or hardcore to something, it's obviously because you don't know how to be hardcore. <laughs> I hope you're not talking about Psychobilly, Dominic. Actually, I was, I was honestly wrote a little bit of Psychobilly. Psychobilly, at least they seem to be more aware of the campiness well, there's that's a, integrated. There is a craftsmanship to the musicality in Psychobilly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they seem more self-aware, at least. Yeah. This is like... They take themselves too seriously. Yeah, this is absurd. Uh, really absurd. Right, but go on. Okay. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, so... But the song itself, it seems like it's like... Like in the first like 10 seconds of a song, there's like a build-up. You know what I mean? It eases you in. There's a little bit of this and a little bit of that, right? This song is like one long, drawn-out... Like, it, like I'm waiting for the song to begin. <laughs> it's just not it's yeah, just stupid it's all, it's all intro the lyrics are stupid the lyrics are really goddamn dumb i gotta be honest they're real and okay i'm not much of an actor here okay but i've heard it's very difficult he's to just being die. humble he's just being humble <laughs> it's very hard to die did you know this die it's very because 
when you act like you're dying, it's a fine line between you're expressing life leaving you and you're constipated and you're, or something, or you're about to shit yourself. And he sounds in this song like he's about to shit his pants. It's the song sounds like he's struggling. It's to, dead to, me, I'm dead. I can't. Oh my God! What were some of these lines? He sang so, so badly. Demons hacking at my door. It sounds like he's trying to like not shit his pants. So, I just uh, some the some of the imagery that this song provokes, like it's it's weird. Because some of the lyrics are really disturbing. Yeah. But it's like, that doesn't even make it good. It's just a bad song while having disturbing lyrics. Yeah. Like the, yeah. like the I'm feeling so stiff as I walk out the house. My tongue's so dry. I think it's rotting in my mouth. Like, it's like, blech. Yeah. It just, it's not earned. They don't earn the lyrics, the no. imagery. And it's, this... I, I'm not trying to defend them, but this is this is a weird song. Like, there's yeah. usually this feels like, like you said, it's just like one long intro. There's there's nothing here. Yeah, it's one. I would dimensional. say like any other song by them at least has something more to it. Yeah. This is like a really I don't I don't know what they were thinking with this one. Like most of the song is just like weird sampled voices in the background saying did it hurt did you feel pain which i thought were better than those were the best lyrics or whatever vocals they were saying and like (laughs) half of the song is the outro of him just saying like i don't want to die over and over again yeah and he sounds constipated while he's saying it i gotta say his vocal affectation is so bad it's really bad it's really off my my only positive note would be like this is Maybe this is a good first ICP song just to ease us <laughs> into it because it's only going to, like, get more yeah. from here. Like, this is pretty minimal on all levels. Like, it wasn't too off-putting or offensive. It was just kind of weird and dumb. Yeah, it was just kind of, <laughs> yeah, silly. Yeah. Yeah, it just, I mean, I thought, like, the bass that started in the drums were kind of cool. It had potential. The first, like, ten seconds I heard it, I was like, okay. And it had a, I swear to God, it had flute for a little bit somewhere in there. No, yeah, there's like a little kind of flute woodwind yeah, sound like, in there. Which I don't know. I feel bad for whoever was playing that in well, there. Like that I said, day. I think That's all a... the music is sampled from this French oh, it's that it? rock it's all, band. Yeah. I think all the music. Wow. Because they don't play instruments. They're just lyricists. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah just the lyrics are s- stage men. And the rhyming is like, here I'm struck and luck occurred with word i mean it's just simple and then as if the only thing i could have given them was that the song i don't mean this to sound like i totally hated the song i but i did i totally hated the song <laughs> because the only thing that this song earned was that it was restrained until very the very restrained. end <laughs> that was You're it dead, bitch. i was like the only thing this song earned was the you know, yeah. kind of restraint because you need a little bit of restraint when you're making art, you know what I mean? You can't just throw it all out there. And it was oddly restrained. And then at the end, yeah. You're dead, bitch. <laughs> Even the land, oh God. Which- No subtlety, like, so bad. It's like- Like, duh, we fucking got it. We know he's dead. <laughs> after listening to him for like 
40 seconds go on and on I don't want to be dead I don't want to die you kind of start to like get this horrible picture paint of like someone dying who's like afraid of death yeah. and then it's like the only little bit of humanity and then they have to end it with you're dead bitch ha 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 it's so which bad. like just takes away everything they might have yeah. just established yeah I gotta say it's a little bit of uh, the Ben Folds problem it was like they were a little like just trying to protect themselves yeah a little bit they were afraid to really try to make a statement like they keep hedging they do little things like that to hedge you know what I mean it's just stupid very stupid don't well it's two thumbs down (laughs) out of two (laughs) it makes Macklemore sound good (laughs) that's how bad it was (laughs) you don't want to go thrift shopping (laughs) yeah Let's move on to Lotion by Deftones off of the 1997 album Around the Fur. Deftones are an American alternative new metal band from Sacramento, California. The name Deftones was created by lead guitarist Stephen Carpenter, combining the hip-hop slang term deaf with the suffix tones, which was popular with 1950s bands. Mm-hmm. Carpenter said the name is intentionally vague to reflect the band's tendency to not focus on just one style of music. He said he wanted to pick something that would just stand out, but you know, not be all cheese ball at the same time. This is uh, going back to when Korn was on the, the podcast. This is one of the bands that was really influenced by Korn coming up. Yeah. They, they, Korn kind of took them under their wing but then they kind of went on to define their own sound and didn't get stuck just copying corn sound yeah they they were both huge during the new metal boom but after this album they kind of started to distance themselves from the traditional new metal noise they kind of went into like a more shoegazy alternative metal kind of sound yeah some people actually have dubbed them the Radiohead of metal just because of how different every one of their albums sounds. Hmm. This album, Around the Fur, became their first RIA certified album, becoming certified gold in June of 1999, and eventually going on to achieve platinum status in 2011. This album kicked off the Deftone shift away from the new metal sound, kind of starting to go towards that new wave shoegaze inspired metal that I was talking about. And I found out Pitchfork actually gave this album a 7.8. Hmm. But you need to keep in mind, this was the old Pitchfork. Yeah. They actually, yeah, I, had, yeah. I had to look this up on an archival site. Pitchfork didn't used to be like the hipster moral compass that we know of them today. They used to just be like a shitty music review site that reviewed everything. Yeah. But yeah, the guy yeah, that reviewed yeah. it actually loved this album. So uh, what did you think of Lotion? I thought I th- I honestly thought it was a good song. I thought it was like, again, when I listened to Corn, like four or five episodes ago, I was like, almost nostalgic for new metal. And here again, I was like, this is kind of has like the germ of like what new metal could have been. Yeah. And I, I don't know exactly what the lyrics were about. I assume it was purposefully ambiguous, but I couldn't help but hearing to them now, listening to them now. They seem kind of almost ironic. Like maybe it's talking about 
probably not, but maybe. It seems to be yelling at people that are like killing a genre or who have invaded one's kind of musical repertoire and you like hate it. You nailed, like, you got the hammer on the nail. Like, that's not the fucking scene. I nailed nailed the hammer on the head. I nailed the hammer. I don't even know what this is. Anyway, (laughs) you got exactly, so so from, (laughs) you okay? Holy shit, I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) From every person I read, like, I went on, like, diehard Deftones forums or people talking about the song. Everyone yeah. says this song is basically him calling out like phonies in the genre. Mm. It's him talking about basically fuck all you guys and you fakers and all of that in music industry sellouts. There's yeah. a there were yeah. a couple there were a couple weird theories out there as there always is. I, I'll share them. So. I guess at one point in time, Chino, the lead singer of Deftones, said that this whole album around the fur is about kind of his distaste for vain and fake women. So some people think the song is about him like dissing fake women. I don't think that's the case. Yeah, yeah. And one person, <laughs> one person believes that since the song is called Lotion. It's about someone ruining the meaning of sex by masturbating too much. Hmm. I will be honest, when I saw the name Lotion, I assumed it was about masturbation, yeah. but I can't find any lyrical support no. for that. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about uh, the music industry and other bands. So sorry, I, I cut yeah. you off. You can keep going. No, no, no. Yeah, but that's say. that's good to hear. I mean, that's in that way, the song almost seemed like historically significant. Because it ha- it it seemed like it had really good kind of genre blending new metal of like screaming type lyrics and then very clear vocals mixed in with that almost kind of sounded like like Incubus's lead singer I thought yeah which maybe no in def- Incubus especially early Incubus they were definitely kind of at least on the fringes of new metal with some of their music like they definitely yeah. toured with bands like this so yeah but that's not far-fetched to say okay yeah right on and yeah i mean the drums especially kind of like hollow sounding drums yeah. i don't know how else to say it that sounded just like what i remember of corn yeah those kind of which you know i just like i like the kind of mixing of the metal palette it's not all hard distorted some of it's kind of clear not so i like it's the like music. it's like a new form of metal yeah exactly exactly it's like let's call it new metal but with an umlau yeah <laughs> make it badass but in that way it made it made this seem historically significant because it was kind of performing a kind of potential new metal while lyrically acknowledging that the genre had been like invaded by parasites yeah so i thought i thought you know this this song belongs in a museum you know what i mean like Indiana jones thought yeah definitely (laughs) yeah no i i like it it's it's a little intense but i kind of like that like Mm. there's a lot of screaming shrill screaming in the song though i do I love the desperation in Chino's voice, both in the screaming and the spoken verses. Like yeah. the the verses themselves, when he's not screaming, he's like manically speaking. Like he's yeah. not even exactly going with the tempo of the music. Yeah. Like you can just feel the desperation. Yeah. 
in the delivery of his vocals. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess the song, maybe it's a little juvenile with the screaming, but I don't know. I dig it. I think it adds to the the sentiment that he's trying to to get across. Yeah. And I I, I kind of <laughs> had this realization while I was listening to it that new metal, it's like tough emo music. It's a bunch of grown ass men singing and screaming about their feelings but they could also probably beat the shit out of you whereas the emo guys i, I wouldn't be too worried about them yeah yeah yeah. also yeah. they probably did a lot of meth I, that's <laughs> for some reason in my head like all new metal guys are just constantly doing meth and then screaming just a it up. no I, I think that's actually i think that's a very good way to describe it that's a good kind of analogy to draw yeah because it has this sort of like like oh, it's not right to just say it, it almost has more like a sort of tre- the bass is turned down for like the treble almost in tone yeah. and in style at times and which and, and it's kind of has a more kind of emotional core but it still is surrounded by the kind of yeah. bare skeleton well, of metal and this is also something that i've realized like especially listening to like early 90s screaming that was like i feel like a shortcut like you crank the treble on the voice it sounds like they're screaming a lot more than they actually might be like yeah. there's a way to make the scream sound more shrill and intense yeah was yeah. to just crank the shit out of that treble and then you kind of get that like yeah kind yeah of sound yeah. yeah yeah no that makes sense huh? no I, I, would, I i think i the only line i could not quite understand is that it's classical anyway I feel like my only guess is that he heard someone, some phony hiding behind that genre. Like I, some if we want to know what this song is about, somewhere someone was interviewed. I feel like and was like, oh, it's all classical music anyway. Because it, it's the only thing I can think of is someone hiding behind some genre and they don't even yeah. know about. Either that or it's like they're just referring to like these people that he's calling out kind of ruining or faking the genre yeah. or hiding behind like tropes that the genre is established like oh it's yeah. classical new metal this is what we all yeah. do man yeah 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 there you go yeah maybe that's it um, yeah. something like that yeah no no i like the song i really did I like so did i yeah and any other thoughts or no no it, it belongs in a museum okay. it's historically it might not be like a total artistic masterpiece but it's historically significant. Okay. I'll so. <laughs> I'll write the Smithsonian right away. <laughs> I already did. Oh, oh I sent you. him an audio clip. Hey, Smithsonian! <laughs> hey, Smithsonian! It's Juggy D. <laughs> it's DJ Jugs yeah. and the Clown Holes. Can I tell you about lotion? <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about lotion, Smithsonian. <laughs> I'm on the FBI list yeah. now. It's a risky take when you. <laughs> hey. You didn't choose the shuffle life. <laughs> yeah. The shuffle life chose you. Sheesh. Whoop whoop. Whoop whoop. Let's move on to Fame Thrower by Pavement off the 1992 album Slanted and Enchanted. Pavement are an American indie rock band from Stockton, California. They are often described as one of the most influential bands to emerge from the American underground in the 90s. Hmm. Some prominent music critics, such as Robert Christgo and Stephen Thomas Irwine, went so far as to call them the best 
band of the 1990s. Wow. Payment formed in 1989 as a studio project of guitarist Stephen Melkmus and Scott Kenberry. Their debut EPs were extremely lo-fi releases and the band avoided press and live performances while still attracting considerable underground attention. Their debut album, which is this one, Slanted Enchanted, was released commercially in 1992 after copies of it had been circulated on cassette tape for nearly a year. So they were like really kind of, they were underground as fuck. Yeah, yeah. At the time, Pavement Sound was considered to be highly influenced by the English post-punk band The Fall. Marky Smith, lead singer of The Fall, has claimed that Pavement were a ripoff of his band and that they didn't have an original idea in their heads. <laughs> the title, Slanted and Enchanted, is taken from the title of a cartoon by the frontman of the band Silver Jews. He made some comic with Slanted and Enchanted on it. And actually, this is, this is my favorite part. The cover art of this album was appropriated from an existing album by Frenette and Triker, their album Keyboard Keepers. So they literally took the album art of this old like 1940s pianists, pianists album and they just wrote pavement slanted and enchanted pavement over the top of it. I'll post <laughs> nice. a picture of both theirs and the original, nice. but it's pretty great. They just like literally like in scratchy letters wrote pavement slanted and enchanted over just like this cheesy red album with a keyboard and these two guys <laughs> smiling faces on it. So this album was ranked number 134 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time, calling it the quintessential indie rock album. Pitchfork awarded the album with their maximum grade of 10.0 out of 10.0 and ranked it as number three on the greatest albums from the 1990s. Wow. Let's see, uh, frontman Stephen Malkmus had this to say about Slanted and Enchanted. I think Slanted and Enchanted probably is the best record we made only because it's less self-conscious and has an unrepeatable energy about it. Hmm. So, I guess uh, some people think this song is about the band being courted by major labels because they are a band who are infamously known for never signing to a major label. Mm. All of their success has been garnered through independent. They've been on Matador Records since the beginning. Nice. Which, these days, Matador Records are kind of a big deal, but at the time, they were just a small independent record label. Yeah. So, yeah, some people think that this song is them kind of showing disdain for being courted by major labels and them wanting to remain on an independent label, while most people believe this song is simply just a stream of conscious and has no recognizable meaning whatsoever. Hmm. Yeah, so what did you think of Fame Throwa? Yeah, I had no idea it was from 1992. And in light of that, this song is... I thought it was good, but knowing it was 1992, that does make it great. I, there's no two ways about it. That this is from 1992, 
This came out in 1992. And that it, means it was probably recorded in like 1990. It was probably recorded in yeah, 1990 because, like I said, that's a insane. cassette of this circulated for a year before it actually got an official release. Yeah. So it was at least recorded onto a cassette tape by 1991. So it wow. was probably written in 1990. That's insane. Because it could, honest to God, it sounds like it could have been from like 2005 indie music. Yeah. Like standard fare, 2005 indie music. Which, yeah, so this is unbelievable. I mean, for its time, this was, probably was radical. This was probably radical. <laughs> because it sounds like, yeah, mid-2000s standard indie fare now. To me, it did. Yeah. No, and that's, that's, that's what everybody says. Like, Pavement, Pavement has always been one of those bands that I've been told is incredible. Same, like, but I never listened to them. For years really. before I listened to them, everyone just telling me, like, you have to like Pavement. You have to like Pavement. And, like... They're a band you have to enjoy if you want to consider yourself to be a person who has good taste in music. Yeah, yeah, which and is probably why I never really listened yeah, to them. <laughs> well, and honestly, for having them on in my library, I think this is the first time I've ever consciously listened to a Pavement song. Yeah, same. I've heard and them occasionally, but never. Simply based off listening to this song, I don't think I'd listen to more. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was not a fan of this. Like, I, I, f I feel like I had way too much expectation built up. Like, I'm, I yeah. was, like, going into this expecting, like, oh, this is going to be better than Neutral Milk Hotel. Like, this is, <laughs> this is it. Yeah. And, like, I'm not saying I'll never listen to Pavement again, and I know I'm, like, committing heresy right now. But no, it's I was not I was not yeah. impressed by the song. The vocal delivery kind of reminded me of the Hold Steady a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Though, yeah. I should probably say maybe the hold steady sounds like this because I'm sure this influenced the hold steady rather than because <laughs> they started yeah. it all. Yeah. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm missing something. I love lo-fi music, but I just feel like there was, there was no emotion in mm. the vocals. Like maybe I was ruined by Neutral Milk Hotel because like he's extremely lo-fi, but like he could say like the most nonsensical words and I'd want to cry listening to Jeff yeah. Mangum. And this was like, there was nothing there. And like when he sings in the refrains in the high voice, it's so strained. You can like barely hear his voice. Yeah. And I, I just fucking hate shalalalas. <laughs> sorry. You were going to uh, say something. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah, li I listened to it. I had no idea when I came out, except I know pavement had an album last year that was like extremely well received. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, this is probably like 2005. Knowing this is like 1992, I, I can't say that that makes me like the song more. I thought it was just average standard indie fare. You know what I mean? It was just typical mid 2000s stuff. But it, I will say, I, I can't think of another song around this time that sounds anything like this. No, that, does, that, that's a very good point. It does not have the earnestness, which we'll get to, of Jeff Mangum, who could say, he could read a fucking anything, fortune cookie. Anything. <laughs> that was like, just like Chinese food, uh, in, you know, like egg roll. And yeah. it would sound like it was like Moses on the mountain. <laughs> but th yeah. this does not have that at all. This is like almost more like British, like. Well, and they were inspired by a British band. Yeah, because yeah. it had this sort of like sarcastic, sardonic dispassionate sort of delivering of lyrics I, I thought I thought the lyrics were actually pretty good I'll, I'll they're be interesting I, I don't I think there is definitely if I had to just interpret it 
it is just fame throw up. Yeah. The idea that fame is just arbitrary bullshit and people throw it around and it's a fake and then it will be gone as soon as you know it. And there were, like, you know, some great lines. Astral rights from dead end ruts. Again, this uh, sort of, you know, there's some, you know, shit can seem ennobling, but it's really just some bullshit dead end. You know, astral. You know, I thought, yeah. wow, that's kind of. You know, impressive lyrics. So I, you know, I was, I was impressed by it. You know, some of the, the music, it did seem to have that kind of post-rock feel a little bit, but more of that kind of British style. I did like, I did like the instrumentation a lot in yeah. the song. I was just kind of disenchanted with it overall. Yeah, you had yeah high expectations. I I would say it started with a sort of distorted, happy indie tra la la vocals which I could only by the end interpret as like being like part of the joke because then those would drop out for like a pretty like unnerving buzzing confusion jam around like the 220 mark the song like breaks and it's a jam that's that's pretty strange and I'm pretty sure that the guitar is actually clean it's not distorted it's a clean guitar which really? I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like that's a little bit radical <laughs> for, well, the, yeah. for, for just the time and the genre and to have a kind of... Well, it sounds like they probably gave birth to the genre in some ways. Yeah, and it's a clean guitar. It sounded like there was no distortion. It was like my guitar, if I just plug it in, I have no yeah. pedals in it or anything. So, I, you know, and again, it had some cool lines. King Fame Thrower, Son of Groupie, Red Worn Sexton, like, you know weird kind of you know mythical whatever yeah. clever clever but i would say to go off a little bit maybe what you were saying i've always heard pavements the band listen to i've heard them before and they never hit me in the gut and this song did not hit me in the gut i can only say that it's good intellectually given the time it came out but sure. i can't say that I, I got chills listening to it yeah i don't think i'd go back yeah. to this song I don't know if I would either. Yeah. I didn't get chills. And I don't think I would ever get chills listening to it. And, it. and I probably wouldn't even have liked it if I hadn't been forced to really like listen and read the lyrics. That's the other thing. If I didn't even read the lyrics, which I normally don't, I'd probably be like, next. Yeah. <laughs> but, but given the time it came out, that's radical. It is radical. I can, I can agree to that. Yeah. But what you were saying, I didn't get chills. Yeah. I didn't get chills. Sorry, payment. It was an ICP, y'all. It, it was no ICP. It was no ICP. It was no wings. It was no yeah. puddle of mud. It was no creed. Yeah, no Pearl Jam. Nah. Nah. We just got lost all credit. Okay. <laughs> well, we can maybe get some of it back by singing praise of this next song, potentially. I Will Bury You in Time by Jeff Mangum. Off the 2001 album Live at Jittery Joe's. It was uh, originally recorded in the early 90s, but it was officially released in 2001. It actually also appears on a Neutral Milk Hotel EP, Ferris Wheel on Fire, which was released in 2011. Hmm. So, Jeff Mangum is an American singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist best known for his work as the lyricist, vocalist, and guitarist behind the band Neutral Milk Hotel. Mm. 
as well as being one of the co-founders of the Elephant Six Recording Company. He's also collaborated with Circulatory System, the Olivia Tremor Control Synthetic Flying Machine, Cranberry Life Cycle, the Apples in Stereo, Major Organ in the Adding Machine, Elf Power, Music Tapes, all of which are bands underneath the Elephant Six Recording mm. Company umbrella. Mm. It was actually kind of interesting. Uh, a couple of years ago, they did this Elephant Six tour where different, me- like all of those bands I just listed, toured across the country together. Wow. Wow. And every night, a different random group of all of those bands would come out onto stage (laughs) and randomly play different songs from each band's discography. Wow. So like if you bought a ticket for it, you'd A, like have no idea what members would be there and B, what songs were actually being played. Yeah. You know, everyone bought tickets hoping for Jeff to be there and for Neutral Milk Hotel songs to be played. But some of them did. That's a pretty like smart way to sell some tickets. Yeah, that's smart. That's very creative. Jeff's originally from Ruston, Louisiana. He's also known for setting up camp in Athens, Georgia, where he, Robert Schneider, Will Cullen Hart, and Bill Doss began the Elephant Six recording company. Jeff Mangum is known for playing indie rock, psychedelic folk, lo-fi, sound collage music, and he created one of the most highly critically acclaimed albums of all time. No questions asked. Yeah. In an aeroplane over the sea. Neutral Milk Hotel was an American indie rock band that formed in Ruston, Louisiana, noted for their experimental sound, abstract lyrics, and eclectic instrumentation. I don't want to get too into Neutral Milk Hotel now because I'm sure they'll come up at some point. And because this is a Jeff Mangum song, and because I don't want this episode to be four hours long, (laughs) that's a whole can of worms. So this album, Live at Jittery Joe's, it was released three years after In an Aeroplane Over the Sea, but it was actually recorded one year before In an Aeroplane was released. So Neutral Milk Hotel was still going strong, and they still have yet to release their Mangum opus at the time that this was recorded. So while... Most of the songs on this Live at Jittery Joe's is composed of songs off of In an Aeroplane Over the Sea. This is actually Jeff showing them for the first time and getting a feel for what they would end up being on that album. So this is kind of like our first glimpse at those songs, even though we heard it after. And actually, bootlegs of this performance had been circulating for years, and it was actually... What caused him to want to release this is he went on eBay one day and saw how insanely inflated the prices of the bootlegs of this recording were going for. So he wanted to say fuck you to all the bootleggers and just release a nice, cheap, officially like studio mixed version of this live show. Yeah, nice. The show is pretty interesting. It's just him and his guitar on a folding chair. He went into it with no intention of a set list. Like most of the songs that appeared on this album were just requests from the audience. Because mm-hmm. actually, at the end of this recording, you hear he's like, I don't know what to play next. And a bunch of people yell shit at him. Yeah. Yeah. So, some other little interesting things about Jeff. He recorded and released an album of Bulgarian folk music called Orange Twin Fields Works Volume 1 and he actually creates sound collage music 
through via like field recordings under the name of Karina Pang. He has one piece that he premiered on a radio show that he did called To Animate the Body with the Cocoon of Her Unconscious Christ, the Mother Removes Her Death Body of 1910 Only to be Reborn in the Same Spirit as a School of Blowfish Believing in the Coming of the Milk Christ. <laughs> Though this was not credited to him he put he claimed this was an artist named the long warm wall of alfred snouts wow yeah <laughs> after the release of in an airplane over the sea and in the extensive year of touring that followed it the immense success of the album caused jeff to have a nervous breakdown he disbanded Neutral Milk Hotel, and he wouldn't be heard from again until 2001. So this would have been 1997 or 1998 that he had the breakdown. Mm. So then we went like four years without anyone hearing from him. And then he released this live at Jerry Joe's album and made a few brief public appearances and kind of slowly came back into the music world. Mm. So what did you think of I Will Bury You in Time? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a sucker for the singer-songwriter, Bob Dylan, that sort of thing. So, I mean, the whole, to me, the whole, the whole end, the whole point of the genre is the lyrics, fundamentally. And he has a sort of supernatural gift of writing lyrics. So I thought it was a fantastic song. I, yeah. Yeah, I mean. I agree. It is, uh, he has, because his lyrics seem like dreamy stream of consciousness, but there's some sense of them being coherent and thematic. Yeah. And that's so, it's basically impossible to pull that off, and but he just does. He's actually spoken multiple times about what this song means. And even while I was keeping in mind what he said the song means, I still couldn't follow it, but <laughs> it still like moved me. So actually, if you listen to the track before this track on the Live at Jerry Joe's album, at the end of the song, as he's introducing I Will Bury You in Time, he's quoted saying, anybody here, or no, wait, sorry, what did he say? At the end of the track, he says, I Will Bury You in Time is... This song is about me and a rock star in a hole at the beach. <laughs> That's what he says. He says, anybody here ever been to San Francisco and been on the cliffs out there? Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's sort of about being there. It's also about being down on a beach in San Diego and being in a hole. Sort of the fantasy of it if you're in a hole with a rock star and you two are making out. And then he also... <laughs> Has, but he's also said that it's about being in the ocean in a hole as it slowly fills up with water. So either way, it's about uh. him as Jeff Mangum being stuck in a hole with a rock star making out as the hole slowly fills up with water and they drown. I don't think he even knows what he wrote about. No, and that, that's, <laughs> that's the thing. Like wow. Sometimes it feels like he's just throwing words in there to make a song rhyme. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll do these simple rhymes, but there's something in the convention of his voice that just drenches everything in meaning. Yeah. Even if I don't know what the meaning is, everything just feels so meaningful. And it's like, I yeah. just, I want to cry. He could be saying nonsense and it just makes me like feel things. Yeah. He sounds so sincere. He sounds he, it, radically 
earnest, authentic, and sincere. Like he's, like like he's hitting some sort of revelation with his like psychoanalyst, and we're like in the room with him, yeah, or something. Or it, it in that first verse alone, I'm not gonna interpret it because I don't even think there's a point to it. It's more just like the cluster of ideas that he throws out: time, belief, death, youth, family, history. He's, that's all just given to you, and it sounds so. He just presents it for you to just be to listen to and to participate in, and it sounds so sincere, like that. It's just it's a, so sincere. Yeah, it's it's this sort of like genius that like it just kind of exceeds him. I don't think he knows how he does it, but his lyrics just create a kind of space. I don't I know. know. It's some of, like some of the other lines I love were like. Everything you are, I'm tearing through. Yeah. Everything you want, I'm wanting to. I give you more than I thought I could ever do, but I will never break you down. Yeah. It's like that. I'm tearing like everything you are, I'm tearing through. And then the, the line after that, and if I was king of all the kids, you'd hear me singing in my spit, but all you would hear is the shit inside my burnt, burnt emotions. Yeah. It's like fuck. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but like damn, it hits me. Yeah. He, I gotta say, it's just like in 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 the airplane over the sea. He connects like the the worldly or the universal seas beginning to slide and choke with like the extremely personal, the burnt emotions. Mm-hmm. You know? And I don't know how. Again, I can't even think of someone except like Bob Dylan, early Bob Dylan, who like connected the very personal individual with like the world historical. I don't know how you do it either. It just happens. And, like, him doing that, it takes him from being this, like, singular human being with just a guitar, and it just makes it, like, expansive as the universe. Yeah, exactly. For just being a single guy, it feels like you're being hit with the force of, like, an entire orchestra. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It's (sighs) like the prophetic voice. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's good, man. I, How yeah. you do it, Jeff? I don't know. How you do it, It's Jeff? funny, because have you ever heard Bob Dylan? There's Martin Scorsese made a documentary about Bob Dylan in, like, 2006. And it's old Bob Dylan reflecting on his early life. When he his lyrics were, to me, similar to this. They were these, like, revelatory, per, very personal, and, like, world historical. And, like, he just felt like you were getting hit with, like, truth. And he describes it, and he's like, Bob Dylan's like, I have no idea how I wrote that. He's like, I, I honestly, it was like I was possessed for like five years, and I don't think I can ever write like that again. Yeah. I could tell when it left. It was just gone. Yeah, and actually, Jeff said something very similar to that. Like, yeah. after his, like, four years of silence, he did this, like, exclusive interview with Pitchfork, and when asked if he'd ever make another Neutral Milk Hotel song, and he's like, or album again, he said, no, I can't. You know, sometimes these like universal windows to truth just open and mm. they close as quickly as the opening is like i i will never be in that time and place again and it will never happen again and i don't even want to try because yeah it was just like this unexplainable muse yeah. struck him yeah genius man it comes it just comes and it goes but yeah he for like a three-year period or something he was like possessed with something yeah. and like i can't yeah. even recognize 
that this isn't like the greatest song that he's ever done, but I still just fucking love this song. Yeah. Like it's really not. There's way, 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 way better yeah, songs agreed. that he's made, yeah, and this is just still a great song. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you can't gush over him forever though. He's good. I mean, I'm a sucker for yeah. this singer-songwriter. Yeah. If he can nail it, and he nailed and it. And I'm not man. a sucker for a singer-songwriter, and I still <laughs> say that he nailed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. this man. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the last song on our playlist, Beyond the Dying Light by God is an Astronaut, mm-hmm. off the 2007 album Far From Refuge. Let me make a note. If it not been for this song, this would have been like an all-90s playlist. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, God is an Astronaut. They are a Irish post-rock band from the Glen of the Downs, County Wicklow, Ireland. And they are associated with post-rock, electronica, ambient, and space rock music. <laughs> Their name is a quote taken from the cult classic movie Nightbreed, which I never heard of before. Nightbreed. It is a 1990 American dark fantasy horror film about an unstable mental patient who is falsely led to believe by his doctor that he is a serial killer. Eventually tracked down by the police, his doctor and his girlfriend, he finds refuge in an abandoned cemetery called Midian among a tribe of monsters and outcasts known as the Nightbreed where they hide from humanity. Nightbreed was a commercial and critical failure at the time of its release, <laughs> though it has achieved cult status today. The quote that uh, their band name is taken from is when he first finds monsters in the cemetery and they capture him and he's freaking out. And one of the monsters turns to him and says, everything's true. God is an astronaut. Oz is over the rainbow. Midian is where the monsters live. And you came to die. <laughs> So that's where they got their name. Their first album, The End of the Beginning, was actually intended to be a farewell to the music industry. After never seeing much success in Ireland, the album was just supposed to be a studio project, like a one-time thing. But it actually was like got huge in Russia, in like the Eastern Europe, and they got multiple invites to go on like an international tour so like even though no one listens to them in ireland like in europe and new york and russia they love these guys so it actually forced them to like yeah we'll (laughs) try it and they've gone on to like make seven or eight albums since then damn they're uh big in japan as tom waits would say (laughs) that's true there you go man for their first few albums, the band would compile videos for every single song and project them onto themselves as they played them live, huh. which is a very post-rock thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's classic post-rock. <laughs> so I had a lot of feelings about this song, and then I found this guy on SputnikMusic.com who goes, whose username is The Count that put it so much more elegantly than I ever could. So I'm just going to read what yeah, he said. Yeah. For the genre that pairs to separate itself from the norm, post-rock has developed quite a set of cliches that make the most prominent and derivative examples of the genre instantizably recognizable. Instantizably. <laughs> Makes the genre instantly recognizable. Here you will find all the qualities, both good and bad. So while it is never edgy or groundbreaking, it is frequently engaging and often beautiful. 
Hmm. The sounds are sparse, expansive, like an isolated look at a Nordic landscape. Something that's not quite sad, but at the same time fills you with a sense of wistful longing. Unfortunately, the delivery occasionally drifts into the realm of Kish, especially considered that many of these harmonic ideas can be seen in more popular groups like Sigur Rós and Explosions in the Sky, mm. causing moments of this album to feel sappy and artificial. The songs are tightly arranged, well-performed, and emotionally evocative, but extremely derivative and occasionally sappy. I wholeheartedly 100% agree with everything the Count said. Yeah, that was extremely... Sp- I gotta say, I wrote like explosions in the sky yeah and that yeah and that it's open it's expansive but it's so not anywhere close to experimental or dissonant or no. dangerous or as he says risky yeah yeah he he was spot on. i gotta say he was spot on it, it's, that was very 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 it's spot like on. i love post-rock music i love i should love everything about this track but it feels like plastic i fake Honestly, I saw God is an astronaut, and I was like, is this Christian rock? And I, honest to God, could have been convinced that it, it could was have a Christian thrown, like, rock some, band. like, some, like, lyrics over the top yeah. of it. Yeah. It could have been a Christian rock band because it was so not – it didn't even get, like, an inch close to, like, dissonant, experimental, edgy. It was had that kind of, like, yeah, harmonic, major chord, kind of uplifting, a little, you know, sad, but ultimately – safe yeah music honestly it felt like if you handed a bunch of robots a diagram <laughs> on yeah. how to make post-rock music yeah. and it's like you know they successfully hit every mark they were supposed to yeah but that's it they just hit every mark yeah, like, there's no oh, soul check there's no soul check yeah. check like it's an enjoyable listen but it comes across as a shell of like what it potentially could have been. It's yeah. it is way too well produced. It's way too clean. It's like they are trying to force emotions into it. Yeah. It's it's too clean. It's too nice. It's too black and white. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree completely. It's it's just you could have told me it was Christian rock and I would have believed you. Yeah. So it's just very safe. And like especially very like safe. if you listen to the whole album too, they're like they're all like these like nice little tight four minute long things like there's yeah. just there's no cookie cutter there's no cookie cutter stuff there's no fucking around there's no feeling there's yeah. no like 20 minute track like yeah i think yeah this song maybe this song is almost historically significant because it can show how one genre went from genre mixing to just sounding like the most like cookie cutter genre yeah just like you said it sounds like robots were programmed all the genre points to hit and they hit it and it just sounds like a robot made this music yeah <laughs> no that's that's it oh your wife just texted me oh she said where's the cost his phone is dead yeah it died i can tell her we're still recording say almost done is this gonna go on the air almost done I sweetie could, i could <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. So like when you said like like robots and it's like it's like if post rock could have potentially been like elevated to like a TRL MTV <laughs> level where there's just like mindless yeah. Illuminati pop stars pumping it out. Yep. 
That's yeah. what this kind of sounded like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, to wrap it up, since your wife's waiting for you, what was your favorite track <laughs> of the five? I guess say this was probably the hardest. This might have been the hardest week I can think of. Because ICP, you know, whoop whoop, that sort of deal. Whoop whoop. Deftones. I, I'm torn between Jeff Mangum, what I would... Maybe the sentimental pick. I can't tell versus Pavement. And I gotta be honest, I have nothing but unending respect for Jeff Mangum. But I think I do have to pick Pavement because it is a... It's a radical song for its time. Again, it doesn't move me at all. Like, I will bury you in time or anything he's done. But I got to give it to, fl- to fame for and pavement. Because that, that is, that's, that's re- historically significant. Everything here is historically significant. But I got to go with pavement. I probably wouldn't listen to it again. I can respect that. But I got to go with that. I'm gonna have to go with "I Will Bury You in Time." I just, there. I just f- did not fucking like that pavement song. <laughs> I don't know. And like the lotion song, it was good, but it was like the only. I feel like I, I shouldn't listen to me. I don't know. <laughs> like it was, it was enjoyable to listen to, but it's like God. If I listen to this one more time, I think my ears might just start bleeding. <laughs> like, he screams a fucking lot, a lot. in that song. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna have the jet. And even though it's not like the best Jeff Mangum song ever, just Jeff Mangum, that that's just that's so good for me. Yeah, no, yeah. no, he was a genius. He's a genius. Yeah, was possessed by a genius. Couple end of the show notes. Again, please send us submissions of songs you would like us to add to a listener-generated episode of the podcast. And also any ideas for like curated genre episodes going forward, you can send that to facebook.com slash shuffle at shufflepodcast on Twitter, shufflepodcast.tumblr.com or email us at shufflecastpod at gmail.com. Also, please listen to the Gave Came podcast, which my friend John Miller does and I'm on it. And if you're not that into video games, but you want to hear me talk about music. This last episode we just did, episode 16, is actually our favorite video game soundtracks episode. So I talk about video game music a lot in it. The Game Cave. Game Cave Podcast. Game right there. And then Check you, it out. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash thegamecavepodcast. So now I'll just tell you what next week's tracks are, and that'll be it. So next week's tracks are Niobe by Caribou, Born and Raised by, I never know how to say their name. It's either Alex is on fire or Alexis on fire. It's just one word. So it's either Alex is on fire or Alexis on fire. Born and Raised by that band. (laughs) Roulette Dares, The Haunt of by the Mars Volta. Hey Now by Augustana. And Memory by Sugar Cult. So look forward to hearing about those. Otherwise, I hope you have a good week and thank you for listening. Bye. Bye bye.